0: Listen, this is a good day to be alive and it's good to be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's good to know Jesus and to walk in his divine presence. I am glad to be in service one more time. Can I get a witness? Hallelujah. So if you have your Bibles, guys, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the book of Jude. That's right before Revelation. You don't need your table of content to find it. Revelation is the last book in the Bible. And Jude comes right before that. And as you're turning there, we're going to, uh, I told you uh, a few weeks back that we're going to, our next sermon series is going to be talking about getting ready to fight. And so we got to get ready to fight. And we're going to look at Jude and unpack some things here. And, and while we're going there, I just want to make mind, mind you something. You know, a lot of us are connected with social media and we text and that type of stuff. And you, you need to be careful when you're out posting stuff on social media or even when you're texting somebody. Hitting that button before you read it, hello. Um, uh, before you evaluate uh, what, what's being said, I, I had some fun with my daughter the other day. She was uh, she had to go uh, and uh, because you know my daughter has a little heavy foot. Do y'all know what a heavy foot means? I mean she has a propensity to somehow, some way, attract traffic tickets. And this particular one that she got, they said you can't pay it. You got to come to court. And I, tell, I said, baby, they, I said, they're going to handcuff you. <laughs> she had to go because they had a the residential area. But anyhow, she, 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 was, she was in court and she was texting me some things about court. It was, she was fascinated with court. She said, it's kind of just like you see on television. Uh, and then she says, uh, this, this she texts me and she says, that's why I say you got to always be careful that you read before you hit sin. She says, the people in front of my stink. Now you, you may not know what that meant. She says, the people in, she, she meant the people in front of me. Stank is a colloquial, bittenized country word for stink. Everybody say stank. Okay? She says, the people in front of, she said, the people in front of my stank. I said, in front of your stank. Sounds like you need to take a bath based on what you just texted me. And then she put all these emojis up there laughing out loud. She says, uh, and then I said, I, I, I kept it going. I said, get out of the way, people, and let Sundra stank have its way. Said, bye, Daddy. You need you know what I meant. <laughs> so be careful when you send stuff out and be careful before you post stuff on social media, out of your emotions, out of your feelings, because the stuff that you put out there will last for a long time. And and you need to be careful that you represent your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, wherever you are, whatever space you find yourself in. You don't do not forget that you are called to be an ambassador for Christ. Let me say it again. Because some of y'all hadn't learned this. Wherever you find yourself at, whatever space you find yourself in, whether it's online, whether it's at church, whether it's at home, whether it's on, on your job, whether it's at the football game or the basketball game, parents who cuss the referees out, rentals, talk to them about we got referee over here, Stafford. Ref- Stafford, have you ever been cursed by? Yes, he, he's been cursed. He's been cursed by probably some Christians <laughs> up there in the stand. So wherever you find yourself, make sure you recognize you are responsible for being an ambassador for Christ and represent your Lord well. Let me say it again. Represent your Lord well. Turn to your neighbor and say, Neighbor. If you're, saved, if you're saved, represent, represent your, Lord your, Lord well. your Lord well. Glory to God. Now, let's go to the book of Jude, see if we can unpack it here. Get ready to fight. Get ready to fight. Get ready to fight. It's fighting time. Well, Watch this. We're going to read a few verses into here, and then we'll, we'll jump into our, uh, into our teaching and see if we can unpack this. The scripture says here, from verse one of Jude, watch this. It says this letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I am writing to all who have been called by God the Father, who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. Look at what he says here. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. He says, dear friends. I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all, for all time, to his holy people. Let's keep reading. He says this, I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. Let's repeat that, I want you all to read that with me, because this is not just happening at this period of time, but, guys, it's happening today in the year 2021. Let's read it out loud and on purpose. Ready to read. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago for they have denied our only master and Lord Jesus Christ and our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Verse five for good measure. Let's read. It says, so I want to remind you, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. We were talking about getting ready to fight, getting ready to fight, Uh, unpacking the book of Jude, getting ready to fight. Now, guys, I I gave you some, uh, on the app, you can see the sermon notes, like if you have a handout, Uh, the author, uh, the author of this book is Jude, who's, quote, the half-brother of Jesus, because they don't have the same daddy. Who's Jesus' daddy? God the father, right? So, it's Jude, uh, the half-brother of Jesus and the full-brother of James, okay, uh, he's the author of this text, and uh, the key thought. Let me back up. The key thought from this verse, from this little small book here, is: Don't try to play games with God. His gracious forgiveness of your sins should not should should never be taken as a license to continue sinning. Let me read that again. Don't try to play games with God. Everybody say, God is not for play play. <laughs> don't play with God. Listen, guys. What, what he's telling these these believers here is, is that that there are people who've crept into your church, and they are teaching things that are designed to pull you away from your commitment to Christ. Okay, so 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 Jude is writing here. So uh, um, uh, the purpose is to, to to motivate Christians everywhere to action. To action. Number one, he wanted them to recognize the dangers of false teaching, and there's a lot of false teaching that's out there in the Christian circles and even within our churches and within the various denominations. He wanted he want want them to recognize the dangers of false teaching. Number two, he wanted them to protect themselves and other believers. And thirdly, he wanted them to win back those who had already been deceived. Okay? Who had already been deceived. Now, guys, this, this, this letter here focuses on apostasy. Uh, and, and, and apostasy is a fancy word for uh, when people turn away from God's truth and embrace false teaching. Apostasy is when people turn away from God's truth the revealed word of God and begin to embrace false teaching. And guys, we have this happening in our uh, society, in our churches today. Jude reminds his readers of God's judgment on those who left the faith in the past. Okay? And the false teachers in this case were probably a group that we called Gnostics. Let me kind of share with you what Gnostics do. Gnostics uh, embrace a theology called Gnosticism. And, and Gnosticism uh, comes from the Greek word for knowledge. And uh, the, the Gnostics attacked Christianity in three basic ways. Number one, uh, Gnosticism insisted that important secret knowledge was hidden from most believers. However, in the book of Colossians, we we discover the Apostle Paul said that Christ provides all the knowledge we need. So Gnostic says only a select few can really know about what God wants for mankind. Only a select few are smart enough to be able to interpret what God is saying. So you got to go to those select few in order to understand what God is saying to mankind. How many of y'all, that's not true? See, listen, God saved us, and he's our personal savior, and God gives us the ability to come to him and to know him for ourselves. Now, we do need people to lead us and guide us, but guys, there's there's not a select few that only a select few can know about God. You can know God for yourself. You can approach the throne room of God without coming through your pastor, without coming through a priest, without coming through anybody. God, amen, wants a personal relationship with you. So, number one, uh, the Gnostics, insisted that important secret knowledge was reserved and hidden for just a select few. The second thing that Gnostics taught was they taught that the body was evil and insignificant as it relates to the things of eternal nature. So since it didn't really matter, uh, uh, since the body was insignificant as it relates to things of eternity, things of spiritual nature, Gnostics taught you could do whatever you want to do with your body. Hello? Hello? You remember the old the old blue song back in the 70s? It's your thing. Do what you want to do. Dun, 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 dun. I now listen, now listen. Some of y'all past 40 remember that. These below thirty these forty and others don't remember that. But it was, it's your thing. Do what you want to do. I can't tell you who to sock it to. Now, whatever socket to meant, I didn't even try to interpolate and extrapolate that. But basically what that song was saying, you can do whatever you want to do with your body. And that's what Gnostics talk. Gnostics says, since the body is irrelevant, it's insignificant, it's evil. Uh, you can do whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter when it comes to things of eternity. That's what they taught, guys. But listen, Paul counted that uh, in the book of Colossians with the fact that God himself dwelt in the body. If God himself dwelt in the body, there's significance to this bodily experience that we have. In Colossians 2 and 9 from the King James Version, it says, for in him, meaning Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Let me read that again. From the KJV, Colossians 2 verse 9 says, for in him, talking about Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Body. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, amen, we're, were in Christ Jesus when he was born in a manger in Bethlehem. God poured out of himself. Can I get a witness? Third, third, the third and final point uh, that I want to bring out as it relates to Gnosticism, this, this theological teaching that was that was decadent, that was dep- uh, depraving, that was against God's will, that would, that had crept into the church. The third thing was it contended that Christ only seemed to be human, okay, but he was not really human. However, Paul, the Apostle Paul, in uh, insisted that Jesus was fully fully human and fully God. Go with me, if you will, if you find it real quick, Jay. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 from the King James Version of Scripture. Listen to what it's saying here because, guys, it's important that we have a proper foundation. If we don't have a proper foundation, if we don't have a proper doctrinal foundation, we can easily be led astray by by the latest and the greatest, amen, teaching that sounds good or feels good to us. First Timothy, chapter number three, verse 16 says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was what? God was what? God. God, the word manifest means made known. God was made known in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. So the Gnostic says that Christ only seemed to be human, but it was not. But the Bible says right here that God was manifest in the flesh. He was made known in the flesh. So whenever you're talking to anybody, whether it's a Jehovah witness, whether it's a a Muslim, whoever, find out what they believe about Jesus. Find out, what, what's, what's your take on Jesus Christ? Well, he was a good prophet. He was a good man. But if that's all they think, then they're missing the point. Because Jesus was more than just a good prophet and a good man. He was God, the Bible says, manifest in human flesh. Now, that may be a little bit difficult for, difficult, difficult for us to understand how God did what he did, but he's God. He can do some difficult stuff. God does some stuff that blows our minds, stuff that we can't even comprehend, but he's God. Come on, why are you trying to bring God down to your level? Amen. The Bible says his thoughts are greater than our thoughts. His ways are much higher than ours. So rather than trying to bring God down to my little pea brain thinking, I need to try to go up to his way of thinking. Are y'all with me today? So these Gnostics had infiltrated the church and began to spread False doctrine, false teaching. Now you may not know a Gnostic, but you probably know somebody who's who's in the church and starts saying stuff like, "Well, I, we can't tell you who to love. You can love and you can marry anybody if it's if it's same sex. It's same sex. Who are we? God loves everybody. Yes, God loves everybody, but God has standards, and God has God God has a way. And we love everybody, and we're going to love them. We're going we're going we're going to preach." Jesus, and we're going to love people, but we're not going to compromise God's God's stance. And it's a whole lot of other stuff that's coming in that's crept into the church, and it's pulled people away from God. You got to have a solid foundation. I'll share this, guys, and I'm sure most of y'all have read about that tragic event that happened down in in South Florida where that building just collapsed. I mean, when you looked at it, it almost like a bomb or dynamite was, was set to it. Uh, but in, in all of the details, it has not come out just yet, but but from what we do know and what has been reported, uh, it looks like the foundation wasn't right. All right. And, and something something as simple as not putting a foundation at a slope to where the water would drain and run off and you got this salt water that 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 has a corrosive effect on a lot of different stuff when it's when it's exposed to it for a long period of time but guys think about this for a second the foundation was laid 40 years ago if the foundation was laid 40 years ago but was not laid right but it took 40 years for it to collapse guess what guys think about today if 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 your foundation in Christ Jesus is not right the devil is very patient in a lot of cases if it takes 30 years to set you up to knock you down, he'll take 30 years to set you up behind up and knock you down. Make sure you have a firm foundation. Make sure that you, are, that you are standing on the rock, the solid rock of Jesus Christ our Lord, the Word of God being the foundation for whatever we do, not just our feelings. So if the foundation is faulty, the foundation is not quite right. It may look good for a while, but after a period of time, when, when stress hits it, when the elements hit it, at some point in time, the building will fall. So what the writer here is saying is, listen, we got to get ready. And the key verse, the key verse, the key verse in this, and this is one probably I, I'm going to tell you it's, it's worth memorizing. I'm going to read it to you from the NLT, then we're going to read it from the King James Version of Scripture. Jude 3, verse 3 is the key verse. Don't miss this, Okay. Because false teachers had crept in to the church and began to to infiltrate and begin to cause damage with the body of Christ. All right. Now, listen, dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we share. Okay. but now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. That's what he says there, guys. Jude had been planning on writing something else. But then the Holy Spirit gave him a course correction. How many of y'all have been planning to do some certain things in your life? And the Holy Spirit said, Oh, nope, time out. You gotta go a different direction. Anybody anybody had plans? Any of y'all had plans when you were growing up? I'm going to go here and live, and I'm going to do that, and that was your plan. You start preparing your life for that, then something happened, right? A disruption took place, or oh, God led you in a different direction. Guys, I mean, you know when I when I first graduated from school, Louisiana Tech, with a, with my degree in finance, I knew for some reason I knew I wanted to go into banking. So I, I, I worked in Monroe for about two and a half years. And my plan when I first got out of school was to go to Dallas and be a banker in Dallas. So I, but, I, but, I, but God kind of short-circuited those plans. Uh, I, I did do banking for 17 years, uh, got an opportunity to help a lot of churches with, with, with their financial uh, needs, uh, financing church projects and building projects. But God, amen, God changed my course. In other words, God says, listen, I know that's what you desire to do, and I'm gonna use you to help some people doing that. But that ain't my ultimate destiny for you. My purpose and plan for you, ever since you were born, even before you were born, was for you to pastor a church in Benton, Louisiana. I didn't know that. I didn't want to pastor church. I'd heard about pastors and churches and deacons and church fights. And any of y'all ever been? Any of y'all ever been to a business meeting where it was like fight night? Yeah. It was, any you some of y'all haven't been exposed. Any of y'all have been in the church where, where the word wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't the reigning thing. It was just whoever was in control of deatrophies. You go study third John. As a matter of fact, uh, this coming Wednesday night in our Wednesday in the word, we're going to talk about deatrophies, the church dictator. So I heard all these things and I see, and I've seen some semblance of it. Come on. Uh, in some of the ministry when Mary and I were doing youth ministry at her home church had seen some of that uh, and, and, I, and I'd heard about a lot of it in talking to different pastors across the city and, 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 and to be honest guys I didn't want any part of that I tell y'all this is my story I didn't, I didn't come looking to pastor this church I really didn't this is my home church this is my family church I, I know people in here and, and, and that was not my goal. I, I would come and preach to help out while they were looking for another pastor. We were just talking about this on, on yesterday with uh, sharing with a couple how it was that uh, Reverend A.L. Coleman stayed here for 36 years. And here's, here's how God timing works, guys. Uh, at, at, toward the end of that 36 years, he'd gotten to, he was blind and was not able to function like he had, had did when, in his younger years and his mind was slipping a little bit, uh, and there were some who wanted to say, okay, it's time for him to move off the scene. Okay, not being effective. Membership is declining. It's time to go. But Deacon Charles, one of those deacons there, Sister and Sister Galloway were there, Sister Faye, you were there, uh, and, uh, and, and, and something inside of them wouldn't let them say, it's time to move. But see, had he moved two years Sooner than what he moved, I hadn't even been called to preach. As a matter of fact, I was still, I think, well, yeah, I may still been in well, I just got out of school. So I, I hadn't been called to preach, wouldn't didn't want to preach. I wanted to be a full gospel businessman. And I didn't want to be a preacher. There's too many preachers, I thought. But God says I got something for you to do. And so as fate would have it, God waited for him to himself to say it's time for me to retire. And the timing was such that we were living in Monroe while I was banking over there, and God got me a job over here in Shreveport so I could be here in this area. And by the time He did retire, then they asked me to come and fill in. And then after filling in, they asked me to come and pastor this church. That was God's timing. I said it before and I said it again. I was 25 years old. I wouldn't have called me to preach. I'm just honest, I wouldn't have voted for me. Uh, 25 years old had been called a priest less than a year and now I've been called a pastor church, but God was still doing some other stuff. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I was not a novice to the faith and God had helped me, uh, to get involved in leading other men through the fellowship of Christian athletes while I was at losing a tech. And we were involved in youth ministry and music ministry at Moraria's home church. So we were, we were doing ministry. It's just that I wasn't looking for that, but God has a way of de- redirecting your plans. Can I see the hands of anybody out there that you doing something different than what you originally thought you were going to do? Let me see your hand right quick. I see a lot of y'all. God, God did a shift. He, ch- he changed your course to go in the direction he would have you to go in so he can place you right where he needed you to be. Can I get a witness? And so I've learned in life, guys, to go with God and don't allow my thinking to overtake his plan for my life. So, So I'm going to read that same passage from... Uh, from the King James verses beloved when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints when he says earnestly contend that word contend means it means contention I'm, I'm in I'm in battle. I think I, I think back to the days uh, of, of the heavyweights back when in boxing. How many of y'all used to follow boxing back in the day when when the heavyweight division was the was the king? When you had Muhammad Ali. How many of y'all remember Ali? When you had smoking Joe Frazier. How many of y'all remember George Foreman? How many of y'all mem- remember the thriller in Manila? Anybody? That was Ali and Frazier in the Philippines. Had, had one of the, the most epic fights. You know, some of y'all... Y'all remember Mike Tyson and and, and his other guys and and the Spinks brothers, Leon and and Michael Spinks. And boxing was, so they had a heavyweight contender. And so when when they talk about contending for the faith, we're talking in terms of fighting for what is truth. There's an attack on truth and it's always been Satan's strategy is to attack the truth of God's word. It happened in the Garden of Eden. Y'all heard me say it time and time again. He came to Eve and said, yeah, Eve, yeah, God really said that? Did God say that the, the day that you eat that you're going to truly die? Satan comes in and tries to twist the truth. And guys, God has called upon us to contend and fight for truth because the truth is under attack. The enemy is coming to try to make the church ineffective, The enemy is coming and trying to make you not believe that the Bible is true. Just because somebody claimed to be preaching the full truth and they were not preaching the full truth and they were leaving stuff out and they were not living the word, don't mean that the word is not true. Are y'all listening to me today? Just because a joker gets up here and says something that's not in line with God's word and his truth, not rightly divided, doesn't mean that the Bible is not true. Are you with me today? So, so let, let, let's let's get back in. Let's see if we can unpack this. We're going to walk through it. So, that's the key verse. Earnestly, he says, I, I, I was granted to write to you about something else, but now I got to write to you about these false teachers who've infiltrated the church and they are causing disruption because they're leading people astray. So, uh We are part of, guys, if you didn't know, we are part of a spiritual army. He says in verse 1, this letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I'm writing to all who have been called by God the Father, who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. So the captain of our army, the captain of our team is who? Jesus Christ. It's not Doyle Adams, it's Jesus Christ. I just have to be in in, in the role of this under-shepherd, but Jesus Christ is the captain of our army. And and, and when we go to fight, when we go to contend for the title, we need to make sure that we keep Jesus at the forefront of our minds. The soldiers, uh, us born-again believers, we have been sanctified. The word sanctified means set apart for God's use and for God's purpose. Sanctification is a term that we should not run from. I've shared with you time and time again, sanctification is threefold in nature. Number one, when I accept Christ as my Lord and Savior, I am sanctified. He takes me and plants me in the body of Christ. I've been set aside, set apart for his use and for his purpose. I have been positionally sanctified. All right? Now, there is a a, a perfecting sanctification that has to take place every day that I live. In other words, from the moment I'm saved, I'm set apart, and if for the moment I'm saved, I should be coming more and more, should be coming more and more like Christ. I should be, be being purified by the word of God, which is able to come in and take out stuff in me that shouldn't be. How many of y'all got stuff in you that shouldn't be? All right, come on on, You got, as Danny said, this is a participatory service and I need some hands raised. How many of y'all got some stuff inside of you that you know got to come out? Hello, we all do. None of us walk in perfection, right? So every day that I'm saved, I should be learning more about my walk, my my position in Christ and what Christ wants me to do by taking time to study his word, by spending time in prayer. And the more that I do that and the more that I do the word, I am being perfected to look more and more like Christ, right? Because Christ and the word are one and the same. In the beginning, what was the word? The word was with God and the word what? was God and the word became what? Flesh and dwelt among men. So every day that I'm saved, I should be looking more and more like Christ. But the sad reality is when you have people that come into the church and bring false teaching or teach a doctrine that it's okay, you can just do whatever you want to do and then God forgives you and you can live like you want to live. Uh, I don't want my pastor or any church members talking about my lifestyle. It's me. Who are they to tell me what to do? Well, if you're part of God's army, Christ has a right to tell those who are serving Him what to do. Look at what Jude said. Jude said that that he says I'm a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. In other words, I am I'm bound to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I am I am I am connected to Him, and I am. Required to do whatever he tells me to do, and he's going to tell me what to do through his word, guys. All right, y'all, listen to me today. So, so, so the soldiers have been sanctified. So I am positionally sanctified. Here's my position. All right, I am being perf- being perfected every day. The more I live, the more I do the word. The more the more, the more I, uh, uh, I I take the word of God, learn it, and begin to apply it to my life. The more I begin to look like Christ, because if Jesus and the word are one and the same, if I do the word, I'm doing what Jesus would do right? And then when I, when Jesus cracks the sky and comes for his church, when the dead in Christ arise first, and then we, we who are alive remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Then I'll be, I'll be, I'll be in, uh, I'll be in a, in a, in a sanctification process of, of total sinless state to where I will no longer have any sin in my life. Are y'all with me today? So, so we have been sanctified in this it's threefold in nature and as soldiers we have been preserved also. God saved us and he's also keeping us. The same God that saved us is able to keep us, to keep anybody from plucking us out of his hand. Can I get a witness? And the soldier, as soldiers we are recipients of God's choice blessing, of his mercy, his peace and his love. Go right quick to Second Peter chapter 1. and Let's look at verses 1 through 4 right quick. So We are part of the spiritual army. Now, guys, here's what I'm afraid of what's happening in the church. We got people who are part of the army, but when it's time to fight, you don't want to go fight. You're not ready to fight, you're not prepared. What happens, guys, if somebody's a part of our military service? And we got many, how many of y'all served in the military? Whether it was Air Force, Navy, Army, Marines, Coast Guard, whatever, when we are given a given orders to go to wherever we're given orders to go to, guess what? You have a responsibility to go. You can't just say, uh, "I think I'm gonna change my mind." <laughs> that doesn't work, Mr. Robert. You can't just change your mind when you've enlisted in the military service. They call that going what? AWOL. And what I'm afraid of, we got Christians who went a wall when it's time to fight. We, 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 we're afraid of being labeled uh, as intolerant. We're afraid of being labeled whatever. But God says, it's time for us to fight for truth. Don't go fight people, but fight for truth. Amen? Watch what, watch what it says is We've been given mercy, peace, and love. The text says, this letter is from Simon Peter, a slave, there it is again, an apostle of Jesus Christ, a servant, a slave. And I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and our Savior. Watch what it says here. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you what? Grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Watch this. May God, back up right quick. Watch what it says here. Look, look at this. May God give you what? When? I got, listen, let's, let's look at it. May God give you more and more grace. How many of y'all can sense some more peace? How many of y'all know you can have all the money in the world? You can be married to the finest chick on the planet. You can be married to the, to, to the most handsome hunk that ever lived and don't have peace. Some of y'all say, yeah, I hear you, Pastor. She's fine, but she's crazy. <laughs> I heard that in somebody's spirit. I heard it. I heard it. Yeah, Pastor, he's got a lot of money and he's built, and he, he, but he ain't got good sense. He don't know what to talk about. He's like dumb and dumber. <laughs> Listen, guys. <laughs> Hear me carefully. You can have all the trappings that the world says is good to have. You can have the, 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 the house in the suburb. You can have the three-car garage, the SUV, the Mercedes-Benz. You can have a uh, million dollars in the bank. But if you ain't got peace... Can I get somebody to help me up in here? If you don't have peace of mind, man, you're going to be most miserable. Now, notice what the text said. Peter says, may God give you more and more grace and peace. When? As you grow in your knowledge of God. And Jesus, our Lord, maybe you don't have peace because you're not growing in your knowledge of God. Maybe you don't have peace in your life and you let what somebody says about you on social media just get all the front of your skin. It's because you don't know God at the level you need to know him. Come on. One thing that you got to learn as a believer, if you're really going to stand for truth. Don't expect everybody to like you. Now, you, you shouldn't be an obnoxious person. Let, let it be because you're standing for truth and not because you did something crazy. There are Christians who want to say, yeah, you know, the, the Bible says, oh, they live godly in Christ. Jesus shall self-suffer persecution. Pastor, I'm being persecuted. Why? Because you, you're acting a fool at work. That's why you're being persecuted. <laughs> Anybody ever act a fool at work? in your place of employment and then wondering why nobody wants to go to lunch with you. You should be an example wherever you go, whatever space you find yourself in, be an ambassador. As a matter of fact, Paul said it in one place and I don't have time to find it today, but he, I'm going to paraphrase it for you. He says, um, you know, if you're being talked about, let it be because you're standing for truth and not because you did something crazy. Amen? And, and, and I thank God that he forgive us because all of us have done something crazy before, since we've been saved. So say, God, thank you for forgiving me in all my craziness. All right? And watch, watch this. Can we get back? He says this. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Watch what he it says. Let's go. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life everything we need for living a God's life, we have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glories and excellence. Next verse, let's read. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and what precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. Now watch this. Peter says, God, through his promises has enabled all of us to share or to be partakers of what? His divine nature. That means the nature of God can reside on the inside of us. I need you to hear me. He says here, these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by what? Human desires. Okay, go with me to Romans the fifth chapter, verse verse number five. We start there. Romans chapter five. So we 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 can be partakers of God's divine nature. Did you know that? You can have God's nature on the inside of you, as you know Him more, as you pursue Him, as you become discipled through the Word of God, through prayer, through intercession. The text says this and. Uh, I tell you what, let's back up a little bit on that one. Go to, go to verse number one of Romans 5th chapter. Come on, we got to move. Watch this. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, this is Paul writing to the saints at Rome, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. No, we're no longer at with God, we got peace with God. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. How many of y'all know we got undeserved privilege? How many of y'all know we got undeserved privilege as Christians? How many of y'all know we don't deserve it? We're not good enough, but God saved us. God says, I'm going to send my son to die for you. If you will accept his sacrificial death, then you can become a part of the family of God, and I'm going to bless you, and I I want to commune with you. I want to be able to talk with you. I want to have some quiet time with you. I want to be able to direct your life. Man, think about that for a second. The God who created the heavens and the earth desires to commune with you and I. I don't know if you really, uh, really grasping that, but God says, I want relationship with you. I want to be able to talk with you. I want to be able to direct your life. I want to be able to, I, w- I want you to follow in my plans for you. Since Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Verse 3, wait, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us what? Oh, now watch this. Stop, 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 stop. Look at what Paul says, and I want to ask you a very pertinent, personal question. He said, can we read together out loud? We all read with him. My voice is fading, but can you all read with me? Let's read again. It says what? We can rejoice too. Stop. Let's read again. We can do what? We can rejoice too. We can rejoice also when we do what? Now I want to know, I want to know by a show of hands, how many of y'all out there listen to me via live stream or in this service and then rejoice too when you run into problems and trials? How many on this side say, so, ooh, Pastor, I had some problems and trials this week. Ooh, Pastor, my car broke down. Ooh, Pastor, my husband was acting up. My, my wife was not, she didn't cook all week long and we got an argument about her not cooking. And, and ooh, Pastor, I, I'm rejoicing. Nobody over here does that. Well, maybe somebody over here does it. Oh, pastor, I lost my job. They closed the plant down. I don't know where my next meal is coming from, but thank God, he's a good guy. Oh, glory. <laughs> Start speaking in tongues. None of y'all did that. But what does it say? We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, I didn't make this up. Paul said it. Now again, when we, when we grow in our knowledge and when we are being discipled, when we're getting closer to God, he says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they do what? They help us develop endurance. Some of us, some, some of us need some staying power. Some of us need some stamina. And what helps us to develop that stamina according to what Paul says here? problems in trial. So why are you cursing your problems in trial? When the devil gets busy, start trying to attack me, I'm like, oh, okay, all right, all right, we must be doing something right. Hey, God, I'm standing with you now. God, okay, it's coming, but you know what, God, I, listen, I, I, I'm still, I, I'm, I'm saved, and, and you, you, you delivered me, and so God, this 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 thing right now is, is temporary in nature, and most stuff that we deal with, guys, is temporary in nature. This too shall pass. Watch this next verse. Come on, let's read. It says, Uh, And endurance does what? Develops strength of character. Problems and trials help develop what? Endurance. That's why parents quit delivering, quit snatching your child, your grown child out of every problem and trial that comes their way. You are enabling them rather than helping them. I don't want my baby to go through anything. Your baby needs to go through some stuff so they can learn how to endure. Because problems and trials bring endurance and the endurance does what? Develops strength of character. Is it any wonder why your child don't have any character? They lie? They cheat? They'll leave them still. Because you take them out of every fiery experience they have. You go on and, and, and want to want to dress the teacher down and the principal down and had even really thought, you know what? My, child, my children were just like everybody else's children. I told you all before, I don't put my children above past doing anything because they're human beings. They're sinful. They have a sin nature. So I'm not going to sit back and say, well, my, my, I know my child wouldn't do that. Let me ask you something. Some of the stuff you were doing, what your parents have said, I know my child wouldn't do that you down all all, all, out there at the party on the college campus Ah! come on can I take some of y'all back to your party in college days and your parents wouldn't have thought that you would have did some of the stuff that you did and you come home on the weekends and come to church (laughs) blessed assurance (laughs) Jesus is mine Oh Or what a four t- it wasn't a taste when you were drinking that stuff. <laughs> Come on now. Think about your own self. No, think about that stuff that don't nobody know that you did. Huh? Think about that person you were with and only you and that person know y'all were together. Y'all shouldn't have been together, but y'all were together and y'all only two know about it. And if anybody found out about it, Oh, some of y'all got quiet from y'all. <laughs> don't go there, pastor. Don't go there, pastor. Don't go there, pastor. Don't go there. I'm telling you, our sin nature—all of us are subject to falling if we're not careful. If we don't stay on guard, watch this. Watch this, lest I get sidetracked. And endurance does what? Develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Look at this, verse five, let's go, let's go, come on. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. God loves us. Even with our messed up, dysfunctional self, God still loves us. I got news for you. Before he saved you, he knew you were gonna mess up. But he saved you anyhow. He has foreknowledge. I heard a guy say this way, you know, there's some who think that, well, since, since God knows everything, he knows he's going to be saved. And I'm saying, then, then really, it's already given who's going to be saved. No, God gave us all the free will. And God chose us. God chose us because he knew we were going to choose him. Are you with me? Don't you think God knows everything? He's omniscient. So he knew where we were going to be before we ever were where we are now. And this hope will not lead to this woman. For we know how dearly God loves us, because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. Next verse, verse six says, "Well, when we were when we were utterly helpless, Christ came in just the right time and died for us. And oh, glory be to God! I thank God that He died on the cross for my sins. Amen. His blood washed away my sins. I am thankful that God loved me enough to send His very best to die for me, because I don't deserve it. Look at the next verse. Let's go. Seven, eight. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. <laughs> Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. It's his love. So, so the soldiers are the recipients of God's mercy, his peace, and his love. So let's go back to Jude 3 and 4. Look at what the enemy was doing. Let's watch this. And guys, I'm, I'm not gonna have to unpack. I'm, 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 this is a three-part series. I'm telling y'all up front, it's three-part series. It's three-part series because I got a guest speaker coming the first Sunday, all right. And then we're gonna start on building a multiethnic church the second Sunday. The Lord said the same. And guys, I want y'all to listen. There's, a, there's excitement in there because God is teaching us some things, and it's already, it's always been there. We just said we learned it now at a deeper level. All right, so th- we can. Y'all think we can unpack Jude in three sessions? I'm already at verse 4. <laughs> Hello, somebody. Watch this. Watch this. Okay, he says, dear friends, I have been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share, but now I find that I must write about something else urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. You got to defend it. Watch this. Verse now, let me say this. When he says defend the faith, he is not talking about going out there arguing with unsaved people. Why would you spend your time trying to convince an unsaved person about what the Bible says? They're not even saved. They're not going to understand the Bible. You can't understand the Word of God except the Spirit of God give you the interpretation. So, so, so with an unsaved person, you have to argue about what the Bible says about their lifestyle. That's, that's foolishness. What Jew was dealing with was people in the church who had been deceived by false teaching. We spend a lot of our time trying to get people right who are not even saved. That ain't our job. Our job is to present the gospel message, to tell our testimony what God has done for us and how how he's transformed our lives. And if you start telling folks about the goodness of God and what he's done in your life, they want to know, hey man, how can you be happy in a time where problems and trials will come? You go back to Romans and say, well, the reason why I'm happy is because I know problems and trials produce endurance. And endurance brings character. So tell me a little bit more about this. Tell me a little bit more about your God. But quit arguing with people about the sin that they're in. That's what sinners do, they sin. Amen? He's talking about the church, false teaching going on in the church. Now, what, what I will tell you is, is that when the world, when the media tries to tell the church what they ought to teach, they, don't, they, don't, they can't do that because most of them don't even get into the word themselves. And so, they're not going to understand why we think the way we do because we think kingdom minded. And not worldly minded. Everything that sounds good from a worldly perspective is not kingdom approved. Stick with the word. Watch this difference. I have been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. But now I find that I must write about something else. Urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to people. Verse 4, let's go. It says, I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches. Saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago for they have denied our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch this. The enemy. First of all, we see that they were ungodly. He says ungodly people have warned themselves that they were ungodly. They were deceitful. The devil is a smart devil. I give him that. He's a deceptive. Didn't put it as a deceptive devil. They were deceitful. See, when people come in and try to trans or to change uh, the, you know, proper biblical theology. They come with something that sounds good. But the foundation is faulty. Whenever the foundation is faulty, over a period of time, you're going you're gonna to have erosion. And it's going to fall. Anytime a marriage is built on the wrong thing, and not a true sense of love for God and for your spouse in a way, it's going it's to eventually crumble. Hello? And you keep trying to build your relationship on other stuff, on money, on personality, on looks, that stuff, on careers, that stuff is meaningless. You can be, you can have, again, you can have all of the trappings that the world gives you and be the most memorable. Why do you think folks in Hollywood keep getting divorced like they, like they change shoes? Got all the fame, got all the money, but can't stay married. It's because they're building on a faulty foundation, many of them. Not all of them, many of them are. They were ungodly, they were deceitful. They were the enemies of God's grace, it says. They denied God's truth and they were ordained to judgment. God's going to judge it. God's going to judge it. Now, Jude gives us uh, three examples of God judging those who were apostates. And we're going to start on next week with the children of Israel. And we're going to look at their situation. And what Jude says here, if God judges his own children, Israel, the chosen nation, if he judge angels, and if he judge the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, what about y'all? What about the apostates in the church today? If God, some, one, one guy put it this way, if, if, if if, 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 if God doesn't judge America in its sinful state that we find ourselves in, then he owes Sodom and Gomorrah apology. I'm here to tell you, as Tony Evans said the other day, God is disrupting some stuff because he's, he's, first of all, trying to get his church right. Because the church got off course. The church stopped being the light that shines in a dark place. The church was silent about a lot of stuff they should have been speaking out on. Just because my family member does it don't mean that I'm going to stay quiet. <laughs> He's saying the song, if mama don't go, I'm going to go. If daddy don't go, I'm going to go. If my wife doesn't go, I'm going to go. I'm going with Jesus. And I'm not turning back. Because you don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me. I am not going to turn around because Jesus saved my soul from a burning hell. Jesus delivered me. He's forgiven me. So I'm not turning back. So, next week, we're going to look at how God dealt with these three scenarios to prove that He still deals with us when we live immoral lives. In other words, these, these, these Gnostics were teaching that you can live any kind of way and God's, not, God's okay with it. That's not true. You can do any, whatever you want to do, whatever you feel like doing and God's a loving God and he, he doesn't judge sin. Yes, he does. And we'll see that. Amen? Are you ready to fight? Are you ready to fight for truth in your own house, in your own family? Are you ready to fight for truth? At your own school, our young people are getting ready to go back to school in August. Are you ready to stand for truth, fight for truth at your own school? Or are you going to give in to the crowd? I didn't want to make anybody mad, Pastor. Baby, let me tell you something. When you stand for truth, sometimes people do going to get mad at you. But make sure you're standing on the truth that you've been taught from the Word of God. Get ready to fight. Look at the neighbor and say, neighbor. Yeah. Let's, get let's get ready. Say, get ready. Yeah. To fight yeah. for truth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you.